Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. WBZ, Boston's News Radio, and it is 9-11. With us is Anthony Mitchell Samarco, known, his nickname is Anthony Samarco, and uh, he's a Boston historian, historian in general, with 80-ish books on uh, Massachusetts towns and Boston neighborhoods. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. How's your month been? Been active? It has. You look really great. I'm not just saying that. You always look great, but you look... Kind of like you're in a good mood and you have energy today. I'm always in a good mood when Bradley J has me on J talking. (laughs) It's been a great month, I think, in a lot of ways. Peter Kingman and I just finished another book, which is East Boston Through Time. It's a wonderful compilation of things on that very special neighborhood that we know of as East Boston, but was once known as Noddles Island. And I think in a lot of ways we're really moving along. I think uh, it's really quite fun to look at these books through time, which is being published by Font Hill Media in London. And uh, debating right now, the next book might be Jamaica Plain through time, or it might possibly be Charlestown through time, but I'm going through the photographs. So you're basically two series, a history of, and then a through time, which is a then and now with a lot of photos of the same thing then and now. Very much so, but it's also trying to acquire photographs that have never been published before. And I think in some instances I've found things both on eBay, at paper shows, ephemera shows, and also through families that had once lived in these communities or still live there that have actually loaned things. And I think what is really kind of fun about Boston history is the fact that we all become involved in this. It's it's a combined effort. It's a shared memory. And trying to make history as something that involves us, but also we begin to stand back and really take into account sometimes how these neighborhoods evolved. If you're listening live, know that the podcast will exist uh, after if you miss some of it or if you want to share it. And if you're listening on the podcast, you should know that Anthony's in about once a month live, and we're on midnight to five live each month. This is 9-11, and it would... 18 years ago, is it? that? Uh, it is. It was September 11th, 2001, and it seems almost as if it's something that happened yesterday. I think a lot of times we not only think of 9-11 as something that was one of the more horrendous acts in recent past, but it's also something we think about whenever we travel. And I think one of the concepts is that it's something that whether or not we had a loved one or even an acquaintance that was actually involved in 
we share this combined aspect of respect and mourning even now, 18 years later. Yeah, Boston. And speaking of shared, it's one thing that we share, Boston and New York and D.C., this uh, uh, particular link through 9-11. A lot of times we are contestants in games and things and we're against New York. Uh, yes. uh, but this is one thing where we sort of bonded. But this not only bonded Boston and New York, this bonded people in the United States. It didn't matter who one was, whether he or she was an adult, a senior, a teenager, a child, it impacted everyone. And I think in a lot of ways, I did this posting on Facebook in the past week, and I said to people, where were you? And what are your reminiscences? And I think one of the things is, it was the real response was, quote, never forget, unquote. None of us could ever forget 9-11. But I think sometimes 18 years later, I think maybe there becomes a sense of retrospective and how it actually affected people, how it affected the city, and, of course, how it affected the government with the uh, response after that. It's interesting to think of... 2001 and what was going on then and what wasn't going on 2001 right 2001 like the, the George, first George, George Bush was the president of the United States and you know the economy was fairly stable and everything of that sort but of course the terrorists themselves would actually commandeer the planes not only had they actually created in some instances a problem within it but they actually did gain control of the plane and force the pilots to not only crash into the two World Trade Towers, but also into the Pentagon. And then we saw also a plane actually crashing into a field in Pennsylvania. Hundreds and hundreds of people were killed, not only on the planes, but thousands that we would see, not only in the two Twin Towers, but also the number of first responders, firemen and policemen, not only died at the scene, but many people are still dying to this day later with cancer and other respiratory illnesses that were contracted because of that. I think in a lot of ways we have to realize it was something that really has not just affected us, but it still affects us. It's interesting to think about time, 18 years. That's seven years before, 2001, seven years before the iPhone existed. Exactly. It was First year, I believe, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. It was when Tom Brady started. He's been, he's been <laughs> okay. playing since then. Yeah. I, I just think in a lot of ways, 18 years is, of course, it's a monumental aspect. And there are many, many people that were quite young, and I'm sure many of your viewers are not just 50 and above. But I think a lot of times you have to realize this was something that, you know, was a different world, a different place, a different time, but it still affects us to this day. And I think in a lot of ways, when we look at Boston, we realize it wasn't just the fact that we did have a plane that actually crashed into the World Trade Tower. But Boston's response was also the fact to create a memorial, which is in the Boston Public Garden. It's a wonderful thing. And every year there's a moving ceremony, and it actually has the names engraved on it of the people that were actually from Boston that were you know, lost in that. Today, I teach at the Boston University in the evening, always on Wednesdays, and I think I'll stroll over to the Boston Public Garden just to take a walk around the monument and possibly just watch people and see what the reaction is. I'm always intrigued. It's not just seniors and adults. Often there are younger people that stand there and just 
I guess, contemplate the whole aspect of the magnitude of this. It's 9-11. Again, I'm, I have to say I'm shocked that 18 years has gone by. I, I just don't know where the time goes. That's like a third of a life. I know, and I think in a lot of ways it was something that impacted me. I was home that day. I had called in sick, and I was in bed with a sore throat. And the telephone rang, and I thought it might have been the office. And when I answered, it was my best friend, Ed Gordon, and he said to me, what's going on? And I took offense at it. I said, well, I have a sore throat. Isn't it the fact that I can stay at home? And he said, no, in New York. And I kind of looked at the telephone receiver, and I said, how would I know what's going on in New York? And then when he told me, I was dumbfounded. I jumped up. I ran to the study. I put the television on. And the news at that point, it had already happened with the two towers. But I I was glued to the television for the rest of the day. I just couldn't leave it. And I think sometimes when we begin to realize in some ways that one of the planes emanated from Boston, it's the fact that it could have been us. It could have been family. It could have been friends. Easily. And it was something that basically impacted everyone in some magnitude, greater or lesser, but it was still, it was a huge impact. Let us, uh, again, invite folks to give us a shout, 617-254-1030, give reminiscences and maybe remember someone or someone who knew someone uh, on board one of those planes or in the towers. We have Donna in Boston. Hello, Donna. Hi, guys. How are you doing? So this is Boston Donna, the vigilante, right? No, there's two Donnas from Boston, and we couldn't be any further apart <laughs> okay. politically. Okay, so that's good. Andrew, Andrew, that's good. When Boston Donna comes, you can actually list. Oh, okay, anyway, uh, to start off with, one thing I just wanted to say is, you know, we think about the sports rivalry between New York and Boston, but, on you know, when it's 9-11, I pretty much think that that's just all in good fun and we unfortunately have a lot in common when it comes to 9-11 the cities of boston and new york i agree where were you okay now i'm going to tell you my story after having heard anthony's is a little bit similar in this respect i was about uh nine o'clock I got up, made my coffee, and I get the newspaper, Boston Globe, so I was reading the Globe, and I hadn't turned on the television set, just reading the Globe. So I got a call from my son, who was a senior at the time, he was 21 then, he was going to McGill in Montreal, that's where my son got his bachelor's degree, and he said, did you see it? I said, what are you talking about? He said, do you have the TV on? I said, no, no, I just got up. I said, what? What channel, honey? And he said to me, any channel. So I turned it on, and there it was. So I think he called me probably in between the two. So, you know, quarter past nine, if that sounds right. So, and again, it was my son who was in Canada telling me to turn on the television set. See, but Donna, don't you think also the fact, even if somebody knew we probably wouldn't have been on the plane and we weren't be traveling, they still call because they were concerned. And whether it was a family member like your son or even a friend, I think we were all 
in a state of shock. And it happened not only so abruptly, but it was something that continued for the next few days. And there seemed to be a sense, even in the newspaper articles that I read subsequently, that people actually came together and created, in some sense, a sense of, you know, communal mourning. Yeah, it was, it sort of like, well, it's a different subject altogether, but sort of like how we came together for two weeks in snow in February of 1978. It was a different thing altogether, but exactly. it was still, you know... Same well, aspect, know. right. And I think that's one of the sad things, but I think people have to realize sometimes we're never going to forget where we were or what we were doing. It's kind of like when President John Fitzgerald Kennedy was killed. I think every one of us remembers in some aspect where we were when it happened or when we heard about it. And that's something in a lot of ways that goes down in our psyche that we begin to realize how important and impactive that was, not just to us, but to our culture as a whole. Donna, did you know anyone who knew anyone? No, no, I did not. Uh, but you know what? When they have it on television tomorrow, which they will, I don't think I want to look at it again. In other words, what I'm saying is I don't mind coverage, which they're going to give it on the cable channels tomorrow, without a doubt, on every news program. But I think I'm going to skip that part. That's I don't a, want to see it again. That's a very good point you bring up. I feel the same way. I will not watch it. If I see that it's going to happen, I will change the channel. Yeah, like I said, uh, the coverage makes a, a, you know, a, a sense, of course. There's no question about it. But I think I'm going to skip watching the planes again. Right. Donna, thank you very much. I appreciate you checking in on this day. Yeah, I'm not that other Donna. I'm my own Donna. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> okay, bye. Good. Uh, it was 9.03 when I, I think I said, well, I don't want to tell my story now, but I did wake up at exactly 9 o'clock. I'll share my story later on. Let's go to David in San Francisco to give him the maximum amount of time. David's a good guy, a new and regular caller, Anthony. How you right. doing, David? Hey, baby ghost. Hey, hey. Uh, Mr. Samarco. How Hello. you doing? How are you? Uh, yeah, I was uh, in the morning. My friend of mine called me, woke me up, and says, "Put the TV on, put the TV on." And, uh, and that happened. I was working uh, at Magnolia Pub and Brewery on Hate Street in the, in the, in the, uh, the Hate Ashbury in the kitchen, and uh, I went to work that night. And I said to the chef, "I said, do you think we should do business tonight?" He says, "Oh yeah, yeah. It's probably the slowest night of." Uh, that I I was there for like five years. It's probably the slowest I'd ever worked there. But uh, uh, we did we didn't do any business at all. It was well. What was the reaction in San Francisco? In Boston, it was really something that was incredible. Well, you know, it was funny. I had a group of friends. I we used to hang out every Saturday uh, at his house. People would just show up. There wasn't any uh, set schedule and. Uh, and then for uh, maybe a couple of weeks after 9-11, uh, somebody pointed out to me, says that they said that I was the most shook up. Of, it was only a group of like eight guys and a couple of girls. We would just sit around and talk and, and then drink coffee and, and uh, talk about just current events and stuff. And then I told my uh, roommate, Debbie, I said, uh, and she says, well, did you say you used to live in that area? And I said, yeah, that's right, in the 60s. I was hanging out in the village, which is right above uh, yes. 
you know, the Wall Street area there. So I was just kind of like a, it was like a contact or something of a. It was personal. A personal aspect. Yeah, it was. It was. I was very close to it. Uh, let me ask you all a question. Uh, what was the biggest story in the news? It was on the news and on the TV every day when nine eleven happened. You, you mean remember? Just before it. Yeah, it was on the news every day for like I don't know, maybe a week, couple weeks before, or a month before. So this is a quiz and a question. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I. 2001 uh, September. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't know. Remember Gary Condit? Oh, Gary Condit. And he, they accused. He's a congressman. They accused him of murdering his girlfriend, uh, wow. Chandra Levy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that and was. She was in the found news in, the, every, in the park in DC. Central Park. And, right, right. Yeah. But that was on the news every day, and then that kind of like just wiped that story right off the face of the. Uh, well, the magnitude yeah, the of the story, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. it wasn't negating the fact that that was probably something that was really quite serious. But I think this was something yeah. that really did make people think differently. I mean, the news was so yeah. important. It was something that wasn't just reporting it. But yeah. you could see the emotion on many of these newscasters' faces. And then when they interviewed people like the first responders, I'll never forget yeah. the photographs of the people walking the streets of New York covered in soot and dust and their hair. And there was one iconic photograph of an African-American woman in a suit and pearls, and her whole face and hair was just covered in other I asbestos. saw that. I remember that, yeah. And that has actually been emblazoned yeah. in my memory ever since. I used to think in a lot of ways it wasn't just the fact of the plane itself crashing in, but the people that were in the offices above, even though yeah. it wasn't affecting their floor, there was inevitability of death because either they yeah. were going to burn to death or they were going to jump to their death. So, yeah, there actually was a documentary called The Falling Man. Yes, yes. And should this businessman jump, he was jumping and he had this briefcase in his hand and it was, oh, it was awful that is the worst part of it for me i know that imagine yeah. being something's being so horrible that yeah. you choose leaping to your death well i mean he I was probably dead before he even hit the ground because i think in some aspects there were so many of these people but when you realize that both of these airplanes that went into both of these towers emanated from boston as donna said earlier too the connection between Boston and New York, all right, yeah. sports rivalries, it is in good humor, I, I hope. But the aspect of this was the fact it really did connect the two cities. And it was something that was not just horrendous, but it was something that the grief between the two places yeah. was incredible. Um, having written about the area there around New England and stuff, I've always been curious about the, uh, the suffix M-O-U-T-H. Mouth, you know, like Portsmouth and Ar uh, Yarmouth and Dartmouth and Plymouth. Uh, do you have any idea of the origin of that? Uh? Well, most of that area is the old Plymouth Colony Plantation. I mean, we had the Massachusetts yeah. Bay and there was Plymouth Bay. And, of course, the Plymouth was what we today call the Pilgrims. Yeah. So in the 1620s, of course, Plymouth was settled. And then, of course, these areas yeah. arose out of the second and third and fourth generation of the Plymouth descendants. Yeah. But it's a fascinating aspect, but maybe we'll do a show on that because I think in a lot of yeah, ways I'm, it's something that's quite fun. But we're talking about 9-11 tonight. Right, Anthony. Right, uh, 
David, anything related to 9-11? Uh, no, but I have a real quick. Nope. It's Actually, really... we're going to keep it stuck to 9-11. I'm sure you'll understand. Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll do the next time. Talk Thanks. to you next week. Bye-bye. And uh, Bob in the North End. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing well, Bradley. Good morning, Mr. Smarco. Good morning. Yeah, this is a very good topic, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the, the people that are still continue to die from, you know, bad health effects uh, due yes. to the atrocity of 9-11. Uh, because uh, my cousin was actually killed uh, in Iraq, and uh, he joined the military mainly because of uh, you know that incident. So uh, really? that's another you know, another little connection where you say people are continuing to die because exactly. of that. On, on top of it, yeah. But uh, yeah, was, uh, when I was at my mother's. It's funny. Uh, it's one, like you said, one of those things you never forget. You know, like like presidential assassinations and the challenge of blowing up. But uh, I remember being at my mother's. That it was this very clear sunny day, and uh, she lives in a high rise over in East Boston. And, you know, we, we had been having the TV on and happened to, you know, catch, you know, as it was happening. And uh, it's just, just knowing when this, especially when the second plane uh, hit and then just watching them actually collapse. And just like I said, we just glued to the TV when it happened. And just knowing instantly, I just looked at my mother and I said, do you realize how many people just died? Just watching the building collapse and automatically struck me, like how many people were in those buildings? There had to be thousands. I said, mom, there was thousands exactly. of people had to still be in those buildings. Yes. And that just hit me right away. And also as the day went on, being in East Boston, there's constant airflow because of Logan Airport. It was just this, this weird feeling of no air, no airplanes were traveling anymore. And just that always stuck in my head. And it was like that for the next few days, I believe. There was no air travel for a few days, if I'm it not was. mistaken. That's, was, you're correct. It's so funny yeah. because East Boston seems on a parallel always to have airplane traffic. But I think in a lot of ways, the entire country was shut down. And I think that was something that impacted not just travel, but the economy. It was something that people began to realize we were under attack. But it was also something, don't you think, that it made people begin to really sit back and take notice of what was really going on? The news didn't even know exactly what was going on. But yeah, I think- it was just, you know, it was a scary, scary and it was just like dis- discomforting. And it was just, like you said, it was just a lot of, like I said, the no air traffic was just silence was like a, you know unsettling exactly it's not knowing what was going to happen next is something else going to happen you know it's very you know it's something i've never gone through in my lifetime right. i think that's a perfect word unsettling because it yeah. wasn't the fact that anybody knew anything concrete but it was something that made us begin to realize in some ways that as a shared community we were something that was sharing each other's thoughts and you know basically went forward with it it was so sad yeah. because I think in a lot of ways it really did, really did impact Boston. But the fact that the two planes themselves had emanated from Boston was something that many people had no idea. Who could possibly have been on those planes? Was it a family member or a friend? And then, of course, in New York, thousands of people, not only above but below, where the planes had struck. And you began to see in some ways that it was something that was a catastrophe of major proportions yeah we're, we're boston like you said has a close connection because of you know the airplanes leaving from here I just let me offer my condolences i mean because we have a bradley has a large listening area and to people in the greater boston area just my condolences to friends and relatives of people who lost people in the day like i said as well as people in the military and you know first responders who continue to die like you said just my condolences to all of them i know this has to be a very difficult time of year that's very well said thank you yeah. bob thank you thank you Bradley. you're welcome so one point I do want to make is that uh, all life changed in a m- number of ways. One is 
there's a level of safety that American citizens enjoyed. <clears throat> they didn't really realize they enjoyed it until that day right, exactly. when it was taken away. And not since, in my estimation, the Cuban Missile Crisis, if you're old enough as a little kid to remember that, did, did Americans really feel an existential threat, I, I think. If you were around, Anthony, as a little kid, you may remember, no one then really, no little kids or, or teenagers really expected to live a normal, natural life because of this risk of nuclear annihilation. No. Since after that, you started to feel safe, but then you realized on 9-11, you were not safe. You were not safe anywhere. Well, it was ever. also any type of thing that impacted us on travel in the future and to this day is something that is really for our well-being. But it's also something you're right. Before that time when I traveled and everything of that sort, and I traveled a lot to London at that time, it was something that was a totally different kettle of fish. It was sad, but let me read this one thing, and it's something that's actually the impact of it. And it says that the hijackers took control of the aircraft from Boston. It was a large one bound for the West Coast with a full load of fuel. And at 8.46 a.m., the first plane, American Airlines Flight 11, which originated from Boston, was piloted into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. Most observers construed this as initially being an accident involving a small commuter plane. But when the second plane, United Airlines Flight 175, also from Boston, struck the South Tower 17 minutes later, at this point there was no doubt that the United States was under attack. And each structure was badly damaged by the impact and erupted into flames. And office workers who were trapped above the points of impact in some cases leapt to the deaths rather than face the infernos, now raging inside the towers. In a third plane, American Airlines Flight 77 taking off from Dulles Airport at, near Washington, struck the southwest side of the Pentagon just outside the city at 9.37 a.m., touching off a fire in that section of the structure. In that instance, you began to realize that within a half an hour, three airplanes had not only destruction, but the terrorists themselves had died, the people on the airplanes had died, and thousands had died on the impact. It was something that was just mind-boggling. So, folks, what are your remembrances of that day and that moment? Did you know anybody that you'd like to remember, or a friend of a friend, perhaps, that was killed that day? And does it, has it affected you in any other ways, as a general unease, and does it affect you whenever you go on a trip or get in a plane? Does, doesn't everyone I know. always, I agree. for a second, just think of that day? Every time we land in Europe, we clap. Yeah, Do you? We do. All right. It's a safe flight. Mark in Quincy. Hey, Mark. Hi, how are you? Great. Good. I, um, I remember that day. It was uh, actually, for most of Boston, it was an election day, a primary going on for the open congressional seat that Stephen Lynch eventually won. Really? Yeah. There were about eight people running, and it was the uh, primary to reduce it down to two people. I was a volunteer for one of the candidates. I was standing outside of the uh, Lower Mills Library in Dorchester giving out you know, little cards to vote. And uh, suddenly voters started arriving to vote, saying, you know, telling all the different workers what, what had happened. And we're just in shock. And then um, we just kept getting reports from the different voters arriving because 
you know, it's the Stephen Lynch district. So as most of Boston was out voting and there was even talk in the mid afternoon about Galvin, the secretary of state, um, that he was going to maybe call off the election because it was so traumatic and they didn't, they thought maybe the turnout was going to be affected, but then it was announced that mid afternoon that the election would continue and they finished it out until eight o'clock. And then, um, and then eventually uh, that primary day narrowed the, the field down to Stephen Lynch and one other candidate. I don't even remember who. And then eventually Stephen Lynch won the election in, in November. But it was, it was an election day in uh, Boston uh, for a lot of people. It was very interesting. I also remember the weather. It was a spectacular really? fall day. Cl yeah. Crisp and clear, correct? Is that your... Well, from what I can remember, having had a cold and a sore throat, yes. Uh, but I do think in a lot of ways, this is a perfect example of how it impacted every aspect of our lives. It wasn't just the shock. It wasn't just the fact that, did we know someone? Or did we have a family member on these planes? But even here, it affected a possible election. I'm sure that there was things that people were glued to the television. They didn't go out. If they did go out, it was basically to meet as a group of people and share thoughts and impressions, maybe to even grieve together. Even though you didn't know somebody, I think you were affected by it. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Okay. It's 1245. Good time for a break. Love to hear you share where you were that day. I, th I think it's cathartic, actually. It is. I, I also agree with Donna. I think it's a bad idea to watch the footage on TV because it brings back any any PTSD you might have had as a result of that day and might be considerable. It brings it back. I think it's kind of unhealthy to watch it over and over. Oh, it, it, it can't be good for you. Let's take a, a quick break and we'll talk to whoever's next. And I, I'll share my remembrances of that day. It's WBZ. So you can talk. Yes, I can. I will and I do. Bradley J. When you listen early in the morning. Jay talking. You are locked up to WBZ. WBZ News Radio 1030. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Turn on your radio. You've got me listening to this. Turn it on. Bradley J. Oh, you're a smooth talker. You are. You are. Jay talking. You talk the talk. Do you walk the walk? WBZ News Radio 1030. WBZ, and we're here with Anthony Samarco. It's 12:50, and uh, it's 9/11. A sobering day. It's tough to even say that, really. 9/11, and we are uh, using this time to remember that that day where you were. Any folks that you may have lost or know uh, that you know were lost. Any impressions? And uh, does it affect you today in any way? Maybe, maybe when you get on an airplane, do you think about it? Do you look around in the airport to see any suspic suspicious activity in the boarding area? Anthony, do you? Did you used to? No, I, I don't really. 
and even today I don't. But the thing is, it is something that actually kind of crosses my mind on takeoff and, of course, especially on landing. But it's something in a lot of ways I don't really All right. you know, take too much notice. For a while I used to keep – I used to look around for – you know, and there was the shoe, the attempted shoe bomber after that. I that, yes, yes. Which, that, that really got me, that one. Well, that actually well. happened to me. I mean, I was coming back and forth from London quite often, and I'll never forget I bought a pair of Church's tassel loafers, and I was so proud of these. And I actually have to tell you, I only recently discarded them after, what, four resolings. So the thing was, I had worn them, and I was stopped, and they actually kind of pried the heel off the shoe. Really? So finally, I when they realized I was not a drug smuggler or a drug dealer, I mean, think, gosh, I thought that was something that should really be in the biography. So did they ruin the shoes? No, no, no. But they pried the, thing, the heel they off. They pried the heel off, but, but of course it could be re-adhered. So and, you had to take it to the... Well, they did it, and I, of course, you know, I have a cobbler, wonderful cobbler. And Were, were you know, they taking everybody's heels off that no, day? No, just my heels. Was and it I, a particularly well, I, stacked heel? Well, I wish it was, but no, it was a regular heel. But they, because I said to them point blank when they found out there was nothing there, um, they said, well, you, f- you were flagged because you were well-dressed and you had new shoes on. New shoes. And they thought there could be a... All right. I'm happy to have them ruin your shoes. Well, (laughs) but the thing was, I was like, I finally, when they talked to me as a human being, but I was shocked. I was like, geez, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, do I really look like a drug runner or, you know, something of that sort? Yes. But there are people. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the powder on my shoulders? (laughs) All right. Let's go to Bobby in Charlestown. Bobby, hi. Hi, Bobby. Hi, guys. Hi. This is bringing up a lot of kind of emotional memories um on september 8th my mother had a mild heart attack so on monday the 10th i went in there and i thought she was fine she, they, they induced a coma and in, with her and um you know i didn't think anything of it and um so i'm sitting there this guy looks familiar and i says you james taylor he says no I said Livingston, I presume. It was Father Livingston and his sister Kate, Kate Taylor's husband, Charlie, with him. He was in the ICU next to my mom, and we were all huddled in the, um, you know, the ICU waiting room. It was freezing up there, and so I I went to work the next day. I was actually in the ironworker shack. I was helping to build the convention center down in South Boston, and. Uh, Went in the ironworker shack and they had a TV and it was on that the plane went in there and then went back out to work and then we heard more stuff. They shut the job down. I went to Mass General. I sat with my mother all that afternoon and then that whole week. And um, Kate Taylor's husband, Charlie, died. He died on the 12th and uh, we were all there. Like his, um, his daughters, Kate, Aquina, and Liz. And uh, James was there, and uh, that Christmas, Kate sent me the, uh, the, her album or uh, CD was Beautiful Road. And she said, we'll always be, I still have the card she sent me. She said, we'll always be linked by this time that we shared together. And um, my mother, my mother recovered, and you know, she lived another seven years. She was 81 when she passed, but... 
that was a nice gesture that Kate sent to me. And so that beautiful road album that she said, this is what Charlie and I've been working on, but you know, my mother, seeing my mother like that, and then nine eleven, just exacerbated everything. Exactly, and, um, right. Yeah, and there's also another co- hospital connection. Um, Mike Sweeney, his his wife Amy, she was the one that um, she contacted the ground. When I got my shoulder surgery at St. Elizabeth's in 1990, he was getting his knee done. His brother played for the Bruins, Bob Sweeney. Mike was a hockey player too, but um, yeah, it, you know, it's a small city and a, you know, it's a large world. But it's a small city, like but everybody but it, seemed to come together. Though that was the thing. Yes, sir. And you say you were yes, huddled sir. over a television with people. I think you had grief, and you were actually worried about family members in the hospital. Oh yeah, but, yeah. And, but this yeah, was, was something beautiful that, morning too. Yeah, exactly, and that was something in a lot of ways that people maybe look to one another to actually try to explain right. it. Right. You know, it was Ari Bradley and uh, Anthony. We, you know, all at the convention center, you see how big it is now. It's 65 acres. That yes. was, there was nothing there. We were just doing the farms and the steel workers were coming in after us. But um, Bobby, I have full lines, so I, I need was, to shove oh, off. Right. It was Ari for a week. There was no wow. planes over that. It was right. just weird. Right, I, that right. had Thanks to be here. Thank you for taking my call. I'll keep everyone Thank in my you. prayers. You're Thank very you for welcome. Bye bye. Paul and actually, uh, Karen in Wisconsin. Hi, Karen. Hi, Bradley. We only have about four hey. minutes, only three and a half minutes. Okay, uh, I'll just stay with major things I remember. Uh, I usually am not up at nine in the morning, you know, listening to the radio till five or whatever when I was out there, and it was like I heard it on the radio, and my mother always has CNN on, you know, and she gets up at 6, and it was the first time in my life that I called her, and she did not know what was happening. I told her. I somehow found out first. Uh, And another thing that was big to me is that the Rosie Square, the neighborhood, I had neighbors that were, you know, Mediterranean, um, Lebanese and things. And my neighbor walked by and I said hi to him. And then I just, my heart just like, are we going to start doing this to a whole nother group of people now over this, you know, uh, feeling pushing them away, you know, I remember that thought and looking down at my dog who is always like half dog, half human, and remembering being so glad that she was a dog right now and I wouldn't have to explain this. Interesting. But how do we explain it to ourselves? That's the thing. Well, I know, and to think, thank God, you know, this part of you is sleeping. You're not up barking, wondering what's going on, and being glad that I didn't have to. How, how can we explain that? Yeah, it must have been tough for people to explain to their kids. Perfect timing, yeah. Karen. Well, Thank I'll you leave. very much. We have to, we're coming right up to the top of the hour. That's something that we haven't talked about. How did you explain it to your kids? What did you tell them? Did you have little kids? It's actually, I just saw in the news somewhere... There's a, there's a video or a book or something that t- 
teaches that teaches this event to kids. I that helps parents do that. Thank you very much, everyone who participated here tonight. Serious, uh, important, and uh, it's important not to forget. And think, you know, think extra, extra special thoughts for the city of New York tonight, won't you? It's WBZ. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.